This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Geekscapist. This episode of Geekscape is brought to you by our friends at Trek R. Where would you be without your keys, wallet, and phone? You'd be late, because you can't leave without finding those bastards. A few weeks ago, I was supposed to go see a movie with Ian, and I was completely running late because I had lost my school ID. I'm a teacher. I can't lose my school ID. And you do not want to mess with Ian Kerner when he's waiting for you at a movie. The dude is too trained in his Krav Maga. He wants his popcorn and his drink, and he wants to be in his seat when that first preview hits. Track R totally would have helped me out. Once the trailers start, the movie might as well have started. Eight years ago, Track R changed everything when they released their first tracking device, and now they've done it again with the all-new Track R Pixel. With Track R Pixel, you'll never worry about losing your things again. Track R Pixel is the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. Place Track R Pixel on whatever you tend to lose. Keys, wallets, purse, for me, it's my school IDs. It's small enough to fit anywhere. When you misplace an item, that has a TrackR Pixel attached. You just use your smartphone and a 90 decibel alert will help you find it in seconds. It even has powerful LED lights so you can find anything even in the dark. Lose your phone? Just press the button on your TrackR Pixel and your phone rings, even if it's on silent. You can even locate your item if it's miles away because every TrackR user is part of the largest crowd locate network in the world. Think of it like Waze, but for finding your things. And TrackR's 30 day money back guarantee means you truly have nothing to lose. What's more? TrackR makes a great gift, and during this holiday season, save 20% off your order when you go to thetrackr.com slash geek. That's thetrackr.com slash geek, and you get 20% off. Again, that's thetrackr.com slash geek, and Ian will never yell at you for being late to a movie. Hey Geekscapers, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. We've got a special guest here, Mr. Phil Lamar. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, and I don't think I've been trying too hard. I mean, we've just kind of casually been talking, like, right. hey man, you should come on the show every now and then, and uh, and this and that, but... Uh, and finally we got it <laughs> we together. We got it in. Uh, and the great thing is um, that uh, if this is your first Geekscape, yes. I don't know how... I mean, this is your first Geekscape. If you're listening to this and this is your first Geekscape... You guys are going to be in for some talk about movies, some video games, maybe some comics, uh, and some TV. 
And Phil's got a brand new project that we want to talk, tell you guys about. Excellent. But uh, we'll familiarize you guys with Phil. I think the first time I uh, met Phil, who you already know Geekscape is, let's just face it, he <laughs> he's like the voice of Samurai Jack. He is, uh, he's been on Family Guy and basically every animated show he's played met don't, several don't forget Futurama Futurama that's that's some that's some geek cred right there <laughs> and you've played half the Justice League <laughs> 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 you have you've done Green Lantern that's right I got you're, my Green Lantern John got my Stewart. Aquaman your Aquaman uh, oh that's so funny you've, pl- you've played you've been in Star Wars you played Bail Organa yes and uh, uh, and Jedi Kid Fisto <laughs> like you've done all these you've done all of it you know So and, and then right. and then Marvel yeah yeah, yeah. It must have, did you see Doctor Strange? Because you played Dormammu. Yes, like, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I dug it. But actually, did I? Did that happen before I started playing? No, no, no. I was playing Dormammu. Yes, I am the voice of the well, dread Dormammu. Well, the, the the cool thing is that you you'll play these characters in their cartoon iteration, and then all of a sudden they'll they'll be like, we should make a video game out of that, and you'll play it in the video game as well. Yeah, I. You know what? I've been really lucky because I've worked on the cartoon versions. That are the that are really good, mm-hmm. and so people latch on to that. Like, oh, when we do our game, we want that version of Aquaman or that version of Dormammu, right. you know? Because you know, like uh, when I did Aquaman for Young Justice, which was the first time I did it, Greg Wiseman and those guys had a really great take on it. Like, this was a cool, you know, but regal he's Aquaman. Regal. Yeah, you know, he's not like I need to have a hook so everyone thinks I'm badass. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. like. I don't need to be badass. I'm the king of the seven seas. I rule the earth. Yeah, three I don't need to try planet. so hard. You know, I have this. Uh, remember, you know, like the Elseworlds series that mm-hmm. DC used to do. I had an, I had a one page Elseworlds uh, where Kal El. Chances are, if he's going to fly into the earth, <laughs> three, three quarters of it's covered in ocean, and it, it was it was basically just like Kal El's ship landing Swoosh. in the ocean. And then it sinks, and there's no more sunlight, and a whale eats him, and it says the end. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like, that was it. The whole Alice Worlds was, what if Superman landed in the ocean? It would be three panels, and we're out. <laughs> or he lands in the ocean, and the whale swallows him, and tells Aquaman, and Kal-El becomes Aqualad. Yeah, yeah. Like, that could happen, and then, you, you like... Well, Although I guess he wouldn't be able to breathe. So. Well, in, in, in my story, in, in, I have to get our comic book expert, Ian Kerner... Uh, in on this because we got to figure out like when the timeline, timeline is because right. when did Arthur Curry uh, when was he born and when did well, Clark you, land in Kansas? You know those those timelines are pretty fluid. <laughs> they are at this point, I guess. You know, um, but you were not the uh, the beer can smashing on the forehead Aquaman from the <laughs> Justice League movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, no. and speaking of the new Justice League movie that is out, uh, Geekscape is. We'll talk about it on an actual special. I'm going to sit down with Ian and we'll talk all things Justice League. Um, but I did enjoy it. So, uh, if you guys want to know why I enjoyed it and the, uh, (laughs) or how, and also like how Ian is going to tell you on what specific panel of what specific comic book, different things (laughs) came from, uh, if you really want to get the specifics of, of like the, the minutia of it, then, uh, look for that special somewhere on the Geekscape feed. So definitely subscribe to the feed, send it to your friends, whatever you want to do, but we're putting up a lot of fun content on there. And I, I started watching Punisher too, which oh, is, who is it? It's probably another special you guys are going to get. <laughs> so. Excellent, because yeah, because I I talked to John Bernthal at a convention right before uh-huh. it came out, and he was he was pretty psyched about it. He thought it was going to be pretty good. I watched the first episode, which um, I, I had a race this weekend. I went up to San Francisco oh, okay. and ran a race, and 
Uh, I was destroyed afterwards. <laughs> it was the I, it one once a year. I'll do one. I did one last year. I, this year I did an ultra marathon. Oh my god! Again, and it was all mountain, and you're just running. What? It was like 7,500 feet of elevation. With dude, we created civilization to yeah. get away from I doing know, that. I know, but but you still need. I was like, I'm going to test myself again. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the folks at the North Face who ran the the event were like. Well, we're we're gonna change the course a little from last year, and I was like, oh, I liked the course from last year. Maybe I can beat my time. And then I went up there, and they're like, we changed it only about fifteen percent, but it's going to make it twice as hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Ooh. absolute brutality. I have friends oh who have run the Boston Marathon and have qualified for the Boston Marathon, which is like that's hard yeah, hard to do. Tough. And they were. They were wanting to drop out of this race, but but, but when they wow. wanted, they were like, yeah, you can drop out, but the place where you're going to have to drop out is the next rest stop, which is the finish line. Oh <laughs> man! And so I know you're listening, Kevin, and I I feel for you, buddy. There were there were there were t- if, it, if there were times when I was like, I'm pretty sure when I take my shoes off, I will have Sweet stumps. Blood. Yeah, I'm just going to pour my my Ugh. my my pulp out. Uh, and so I only got a chance to watch one Punisher episode, and that which I watched, and former Geekscape guest Ken Christensen is one of the staff writers over on Punisher, and I want to have him in here because that first episode was really good, and it felt like a one-off. Uh, it felt like Garth Ennis had done like a really cool one-off <laughs> like like issue where interesting, you know, they're not going heavy into the origin of Frank Castle or this and yet quite yet they're giving you glimpses, right? But, but they're basically just moving forward, character first. And it was really, really great. So I'm, I have high mm-hmm. expectations now for the following, for like the rest of the episodes. But, okay. Um, so, Phil, you're yes, here sir. with this uh, new project called Goblins Animated. Yeah. As yeah. A, uh, what is it? It's, um, we're crowdfunding to do an animated series based on my friend Terrell Hunt's webcomic mm-hmm. called Goblins. He's been doing it for about 10, 11 years, and it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, set in the D&D world, but the Goblins, instead of being, you know, the little characters you mow through to get some experience points and, you know, maybe a plus one sword or something. They're the adventuring party. Oh. They're the heroes. Good. It's about time. So the humans are in some ways the villains. Right. There's this one great character he created, a paladin, Mm -hmm. who is, you know, the exemplar of all things good. His mission is to destroy all evil. All, yeah. evil. all evil, no ma- core. He's this dwarf who is just—he's like a, a medieval tank, and he's a goblin as well. No, no, or, he's, no he's, he's the villain. He's a villain. He's the one that's chasing them. But, but in the guy, you know, but in the pursuit of all that is pure, and he's just going to wipe out these families. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, like to the point where, like anybody, it's like you know, there's like a human child who you know, it's like was taken in by by orcs, and he's mm-hmm. like, you have been touched by evil. <laughs> You must die. <laughs> and you're voicing him? No, no, no. No, that's Steve Bloom. Oh, wow. So what I just gave you is like a fraction of sure. what you're going to get. Because, you know, I mean, Steve, you know, was, you know, in Cowboy Bebop, he's Wolverine, basically. Right. So, like, you want somebody to play badass, you get Steve Bloom. And we've got, you know. And he's the villain. Yeah, we've got an amazing cast. Who's in it? Um, I'm doing a voice. Um, Billy West and Maurice LaMarche. Whoa. My buddies from Futurama are, yeah. are playing uh, Min Max and Forgath, the humans. Um, the other uh, goblins are Jim Cummings, mm-hmm. um, um, my, my co-creator Matt King, um, and uh, Matthew Mercer, who plays Matt. McCree in Overwatch. And I love Matt. The genius behind Critical Role. Um, and then we've got uh, so many 
some really other cool people. We've got uh, Jennifer Hale, Tara Strong. Um, uh, wait, who else am I forgetting? Well, I've, I've Don't to remember, be upset. Don't I've be to upset remember if we who you. we um, have announced because there's still actually some more oh. really cool cast members that we haven't announced yet. I saw Matt and Marisha a few weeks ago. Before the wedding? They were headed to the courthouse. Oh. And they're awesome. Yeah. It was super nice. Um, and hopefully we'll get them on the show as well because that sounds like an incredible cast. And, and oh I think God. you guys are you guys are crowdfunding it through... Uh, Indiegogo. Through Indiegogo. Yeah. Cool. And what's yeah. the goal? Like, What are some of the goals and incentives for these things? Oh, well, I mean, what we're we're aiming for is to make a five-minute trailer mm-hmm. you know, because it's so D&D. Right. Know, it's got like the inside jokes. It's also got real story you know like when you're in a sure. real good campaign where you sort of you know get past the dice and the paper and get to the characters that you love i mean the same like what people love about critical role right this story does that and but the goblins are multicolored and cute and i know that if we take it straight to a studio they're gonna see trolls right right so we're like we want to give them you know a five minute best of thing like these are the characters this is the feels you know this is the humor mm-hmm. and it's not for little kids this is not you know my, my buddy terrell describes it as smurfs meets game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see the smurfs get their heads cut off exactly I, uh, I wanted to do the dozers from fraggle rock as like the sopranos because <laughs> i felt so terrible when the fraggles would just eat their homes and I was like, "F off, Fraggles! Right. Like, you are ho- the Fraggles are horrible. Like, let's just put that out there. Every, as a kid, but their names on the show. Like, watching, so you gotta like them. Watching Fraggle Rock, I was horrified that they would just nonchalantly walk around right. and grab a piece of someone's home and just start chewing on it. <laughs> and, and these these dozers were voiceless, right. and they're just walking around. They're innocent. They're tiny. You could sit on them without knowing. And uh, and I was like." There's something here. Like yeah. the dozers are, I mean, and they're, you know, they're unionizing. They're walking around in hard hats. <laughs> <laughs> if they weren't in a union, why would they have hard hats? Why aren't your union protecting you? So, so you know that the union is sitting there and they've got these guys somewhere and right. they're sitting in like a, a town hall somewhere and little dozers in these, <laughs> in these like $10 suits just being oh, like, Oh, look at you. You went deep in the- I, as a, I was like, I was like, something has to be done for the dozer rights. <laughs> and I imagined, I imagined Fraggles like, Waking up next to like horse heads. Oh my <laughs> like, god! I mean, because the dozers are getting That's pushed hilarious. around like that. And here we have we, we have the goblins in D and D. And I play D and D once a month. Miraculously, nice. I'm playing a dungeon. I'm wearing a Dungeon Dragon shirt now, which was <laughs> completely coincidental and just comes from the fact that I'm a giant nerd. Uh, welcome <laughs> to Geekscape, folks. As uh, I um it, uh, yeah you yeah, you, you kill those characters about, like, yeah. And you don't think about they're, it. They're your dozers, and now the dozers are fighting back. Yeah, but then, yeah, when you open up the world, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, what about those? That's a that's a living creature. Right. And then you go into their... I mean, it's great. The The goblins have this sort of tribal world, and they're they're named, you know, sort of like indig- indigenous people. Like, my character is complains of names. Oh, yeah? Who's always complaining about people's names, you know? <laughs> but, like, the guy with the big ears is big ears. Sure. You know, um... There's can't think of a name because he looks too much like a regular guy. That's literally his name. Um, <laughs> so but, they're almost like named by the players who just dismiss them. Well, and right. yeah, and they're named after how they look or how they behave. My favorite is in like uh, the manual, exactly. Or whatever, yeah, there's dies horribly, <laughs> who lives in a constant state of fear because right. he knows his eventually his name's going to come true. Some guy's going to beat down the door with a with a sword, and there you go. Right. But, I, yeah, the, the shaman of the tribe is the the fortune teller. Uh-huh. The you know she's named Young and Beautiful. 
And she's not. But she names herself. <laughs> we, uh, there's always that room in every dungeon. And I know that, like, in the original D&D manual uh, that Gary Gygax made, um, fr- <laughs> what, what is it, like, like front on the – it's like uh, – we played through it, too. Wait, the original? The, the very first campaign um, was called – um, like castle on gray, the, gray, gray something. It, it was no, it was something on the keep or something. It was oh, okay. It was a keep on the borderlands. Oh wow! And keep on the borderlands. Uh, you go into these tunnels, and the one thing is that you're fighting. Yeah, you're fighting goblins, or you're fighting bugbears, or you're, <laughs> or you're fighting all this different stuff. And what's crazy is that like Gary Gygax would always have. Like a room in that ca- in the cavern in the in, right. in this labyrinth of tunnels, and you would get to a room and it was just women and children. Oh no! And he would do it all like all the time. <laughs> You'd be going through these tunnels, and all of a sudden it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, my character's a rogue, right? Uh, right, halfling. So I, I want to nice. open all the doors. Like if I see a lock, I want to try the lock. Exactly. And so I'm the guy who opens all the doors, <gasps> oh. and every single time you turn a corner. <laughs> in every single one of those cave networks, there was always like, there's a door, and you're like, treasures on the other side, or something to kill. Treasures on the other side, or something, something to kill. kill. And you open it up, and it's like, you see a bunch of sleeping women and <laughs> children. What do you do? They do not look like fighters. <laughs> and, 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 and like, there's people in the party who are like, we attack. We kill you. Slaughter them in their sleep. And I'm, right. you know, so uh, yeah. Well, because according to your alignment, <laughs> that's your story. Yeah, according to your alignment, you would just go in there and start hacking things up left and right. Oh um, so is that crowdfunding? It's live now. Yes, yes, live on Indiegogo. Um, if you go to Indiegogo and look up Goblins Animated, or you can go to goblinsanimated.com, and it'll take you straight to it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got some really cool perks. We've got um, – because the design stuff mm-hmm. on the on the show is so great. So we've got, you know, stickers, posters, plushies, um, and um, we've got um, – Coming up, I don't think we've announced it yet, but sure. maybe by the time this um, voice things using our cast, you can, like, as a reward for donating at a certain level. You can get, like, a, a, a cell phone message or something. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, Overwatch fans, if you want Matt to do an in, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how, I that, know. I don't know how that trademark stuff works. I know. I, I don't know. know how that IP well, stuff works yeah. at all. We might have Blizzard just screaming at us. But, um, <laughs> yeah, if you, I mean... Go for it. Or if you want the voice of Dormammu to come and talk to <laughs> exactly. you. Or Aquaman and Jon Stewart. That's right. You could leave a Samurai Jack message. I suppose that I could. <laughs> it's so funny, yeah. I mean, somebody, somebody's going to at some point start building, like, worlds that uh-huh. have cell phones. Because every, every world you go into now, right? Harry Potter, whatever, there's never cell phones. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there, I guess there has to be a magical... It kind of gets in like another RPG world, which was like the Shadowrun one, which was like a Philip K. Dick sort of world. And I remember oh, really? playing that stuff when I was in middle school, playing like Shadowrun, which was no like way. you're you're applying you like your it's like role playing sci fi. Yeah, your devices were in like it was all part of that kind of Philip K. Dick future Interesting. near future world stuff, and it was fun. But um, I think our hearts are all in Dungeons and Dragons, and I think Dun- yeah. Dra- Dungeons and Dragons has has started to get popular. I think Lord of the Rings blew it open. I think right. Harry Potter blew it open. So now it's hard to kind of find executives who aren't geeks at heart, who don't have a familiarity with at least some loose concept of fantasy. Yeah, yeah, that's the great thing is that at least now they recognize it. Mm-hmm. You know, like as a thing. You know, and and we're really you know we've got great material. We've got a dedicated fan base. You know, so. 
I feel like once we've got something to show people and they can see what our tone is, you know, that we've got humor, that we've also got, you know, real emotion. And, you know, this is like, you know, TV 13, you know. And so if you have um, this five-minute piece that you're going to put together and, like, I guess, like, take it around, push the numbers up, explode the thing, right? Um, yeah. is, there a, is there a crowdfunding point to which that five minutes could, maybe if we hit it, it turn into an episode? Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, that's our dream. Right. Our dream would be just to do the series ourselves. Yeah. yeah, because we've got the cast. You know, we've all been in animation, you know, so long. We know how to do it. But it's just animation in and of itself is so expensive. Yeah, you want it done well, Geekscapist, or do you want to make it look like Jonathan's doing a flip book on the corner of his binder from exactly. high school? You know, because yeah. uh, you, you can see when companies cut corners. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, well, uh, what, what was I, I was reading, the, there was an article on, I shared it in the Geekscape Forever group about a month ago, Geekscapist. It was, it was the group on Facebook, and it was about the history of the X-Men animated series on Fox. Oh, really? And how it, it was an article put out by not a like kind of like a Slate magazine or it was a right. it was an, it was a cool magazine and they had this uh this retrospective with some of the actors mm-hmm. and producers from that original Fox X-Men show which we right. all love. Right. And you don't real I mean and then I I just remember when I was a kid like I wanted I guess I was in middle school I wanted like the VHS of of Pride of the X-Men, that first animated pilot that was the X-Men pilot that was with the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, sort of like the holy (laughs) grail. It's lost to time. Yeah, Yeah, because it was never released. The Pride of the X-Men wasn't released. It was a a semi-weird animated cartoon pilot for for X-Men. And then that made its way into Fox and they took a chance on it because obviously Turtles was huge. Interesting. it's, it was a. It's a fascinating article, and, and I'd Google it. It's it's the it's the history of the X Men Fox cartoon, but uh, Saban, who was right, who was the producer of that, uh, in the article you start seeing the different. He starts farming the animation out to different studios, yeah, <laughs> trying yeah. to keep those costs down. And yeah, as you can tell, and I think right now with like the, the whole thing with Netflix, and all of a, and obviously um, Guillermo del Toro has some success with Trolls with the Troll Hunter series on, on Netflix and stuff. Um, Voltron on Netflix. Yeah. Like, there's some amazing animation. Yeah. I mean, a show I worked on, uh, Kulapari, you mm. know, which started out as uh, a kid's book, comic book. Well, actually, he wanted to do it as an animated series, but he couldn't get it picked up. What is that? It was uh, called- Kulapari is Army of Frogs. It's this guy, Trevor Price, <laughs> okay. a former football player. Whoa. And he had this story idea that he wanted to make into a cartoon. Too expensive. So he's like, all right, fine. Um, I'll just make it as a book. Kids, people are like, oh, those those characters, that concept, and it's it's this world where there are frogs, and the poison ones are their warriors who protect them sure. from the predators, scorpions, okay, and spiders, and you know all the things oh, right. that eat frogs. In there, yeah, there mm-hmm. is that whole story of the frog and the spider, or the what is it? The, the scorpion, the and, scorpion the, and the turtle. Yeah, scorpion and the frog. The scorpion and the frog. Or I think it's the scorpion and the frog because yeah. it, it swims, swims across, in, yeah. yeah, and yeah, it's basically that using their relationship in nature, mm-hmm. and he's built that out into this world. And he just decided to, you know, make what he could, and then Netflix saw it and was like, ooh, that looks cool. Here, we'll give you the money to make the series. Yeah, because they don't do pilots there. They they do the ep- the season orders. Right, right. Which is insane. And it's like... I know. If, if you're not working until you are. 
And well, then, because they can't do anything with yeah. one episode. And then you're going, uh, which is pretty interesting in that model. In the, I remember hearing the uh, writer and showrunner from uh, House, of, House of Cards when he was talking at one of the producer um, festivals, and he and he was just like, yeah, they ordered two seasons right off the bat, and suddenly I'm responsible <laughs> for 26 hours of television. Right. <laughs> Good problem to have. Major problem to have, like, on a physical body. Exactly. To be responsible for all that. Yeah, and to, I mean, I don't know, having been on a series where you didn't know right. if it was coming, <clears throat> yes, it's it's hard work to just, you know, to be on the, the assembly line or, you know, the conveyor belt and just keep running. But it's also nice to know that you've got a nice long conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're on a series and you, because I mean, you work just as hard to not know if you're getting the back nine. Sure. You know? Uh, but I, I hear what he's saying because, like, oh God, we got to plan twenty six. Okay, what are you know? What yeah. are the best stories? It's an immediate panic, and right? Then you start to problem solve, and you figure it out. What I mean, what are some of the like the roles, especially like from the, the Geekscape point of view? We all have Justice League on the brain, Marvel on the brain, Star Wars on the brain. Like, what's the what's the role that you're like? Wait, I actually get to do this? Like, this is crazy. Well, I mean, d- definitely um, going into Star Wars: The Clone Wars, mm-hmm. well, there was part of that. Like, I got cast as a Jedi. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't not flash back to you know your childhood when that ha- when they tell you that. And my biggest worry is that in the, and, I, and you have to be honest with me when you're recording the voice um, for any of those Jedi, mm-hmm. were you doing the whoosh sounds on, like, so, like, <laughs> like? That's my biggest worry is that you'd go into the booth and you'd you'd be reading along with the script, right? And you wouldn't be able to help. But it's like riding a bike. Like, it, it just comes back to you. And as kids, we all did the whoosh sounds, right, you know? Right. And I just imagine, like, you're sitting there recording a Jedi, and the whoosh sounds are part of the dialogue, naturally, because they were part of our dialogue when we were doing that back in the day. Well, but if you if you actually you stop and think about it, you're usually not talking while you're swinging. Mm. Yeah. I will destroy you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're right. Oh, you do a really good one. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. I can see. Yeah, I, I think that's what separates you as a professional. <laughs> I would get in there and they'd be like, Jonathan, stop chewing on the microphone. They've had to, they've had to replace several microphones here at Westwood One Geekscapus. I do not know why they let me in the studio anymore. Um, I did see my studio uh, partner and former Geekscape guest, Matt Penfield, yesterday on the street. Oh, no way. Uh, I was like, hey, Matt, hey, Matt, see you tomorrow? Yep, see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Um, you can search back through the Geekscape episodes a few weeks to, to listen to my conversation with Matt. Uh, oh, you had him on here? Yeah. F- uh, he, he, we, we work in the same room. <laughs> well, those are the people you never it's see. Pretty awesome, yeah. Uh, so that's that's cool. And, 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 and again, Geekscape is like, it's uh, Goblins animated. Yeah. It's on Indiegogo. Um, how much? Do, I mean, how much time did you guys put to we, this goal? We've got a month. We just um, month. we just started um, t- Tuesday. We're coming towards the end of our first week, okay. and we're um, headed up towards twenty five percent, which is good. But you know, gotta keep pushing. Yeah, yeah. That's oh my god. This that, is a, this yeah. is almost as much work as production. <laughs> yeah, I had a, a guest, Lisa Ebersol, last week, who she crowdfunded um, her series on Seed and Spark. And, it, oh, and it's a web series, and she did it on, on Seed and Spark, which I love. I love Seed and Spark. I think I would go Seed and Spark for myself. Nice. But I understand, like, there are bigger communities on Indiegogo and Kickstarter already. But Interesting. Indiegogo, they let you keep the money. Uh, with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing. Right, with right. Seed and Spark, they give you some other well, incentives. We're, we're, do, we're like, doing an all or nothing in our, in our campaign. You are? Well, because the thing is, there's no point in making half 
Right. Or just like, oh, we're going to just do the storyboards. You're kind of stuck somewhere in the Yeah, limbo. if we don't make enough money to make something, you get then voice, there's no point you know. in having any of it. Yeah, if you get halfway, you just leave voice messages on everybody's phone. <laughs> <laughs> if you get well, well, there you go. That's the worst case yeah. scenario. It's like, well, we don't have enough money to make anything, but we do have to deliver all of the, the perks Incentives, and the stuff and the, you know. Which were the cost of the, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, it is like a, it is a full-time job and people who've done crowdfunding say that and that's what scares me sometimes from yeah. crowdfunding is you are putting in those hours like production right just to get the message across um freaks me out totally i <laughs> tell you geekscape is it absolutely freaks me out but uh and phil might be freaked out too so go over well, into indiegogo and please, please help help me not be freaked out <laughs> um i want i did want to ask you yeah before i mean because i have you here is um, my friend Scott Stockdike won an Oscar for Spider-Man 2. Nice. He was the effects supervisor on that one, on, the, on Raimi's. Oh! And I, okay. sh- and I and I think he, I think they won that Oscar for a very specific sequence that you're in, that train <laughs> sequence. And I it's show amazing. that train sequence to my, my film students because it's about building that tension. Yes. And the pieces put together, that's, I mean, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That Doc Ock fight in, yeah. in Raimi's second Spider-Man is amazing. Every time I watch that scene and you see <laughs> straining Toby against, you know, right. the webs trying to stop the train and his face is getting all crazy. Right. Um, your head's right next to him. Yep. And I can't. And it's like, <laughs> I'm sure it's distracting now. Yeah. And did you guys, I know the plates were shot in Chicago for like the big right. above and trains, but you're, I guess, on the soundstage here at Sony or somewhere yeah. and you're shooting all this stuff on the train. What's the story like where you went uncredited on that? Are you uncredited in that movie? Are you credited? I am uncredited, yeah. What is the story? What was the story on that? Well, what happened was I auditioned for the movie. Sure. For the part that Hal Sparks got, the guy in the elevator. In the elevator. When his powers I love you know, Hal. Go, go out. Yeah, Hal's great. Um, and then I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just, you know, you they to let it you. go. And then we got a call like um, two months later. And they're like, uh, Spider-Man 2 wants to check your availability. I'm like, Oh, for the the elevator part? No. Oh, what part? They can't say. Oh, okay. You're like, I'm gonna play a villain. Wait, right. It's like, well, what are they? There's like, can they tell me what the scene is? No. Can they give me sides? No. But can, I mean, like in your head, what are you thinking? In your head, you're thinking like, no, I'm not thinking I'm a okay. villain. Okay. I mean, because the part I auditioned for was guy one scene, elevator. guy in elevator. Right. No, I understand. I'm, I'm assuming it's that or less. And I'm just like, what's going on? And they won't, they won't tell me anything. They say, it's two days. Are you, are you available? And I'm like, well, what am I doing? Right. And you're, I know how you're big. You're playing the, a web. And I know how big this movie is. So, right. and, I, and I'm assuming it's not much. So my only question is like, all right, ask them, will I be working with Sam Raimi directly? Mm-hmm. That they can at least yeah, tell me. Yeah. Because that, I mean, because you know, the last thing, I don't want to, yeah. Like, Second unit doing, you know, something, you know, it's like, oh, and you're under the, you know, truck. Um, and they said, yes, you will. And so when we got there, yeah, Sam met us the first day because what he had wanted to do, because that scene um, is so big. It's a pivotal And scene. so intricate. Yeah. He said, this is the heart of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's got all these people in it. I can't just have extras. And so he hired nine of us actors to sprinkle throughout that sequence. Mm-hmm. So he's like, so I have people to cut to that I know can ca- help me carry through on the emotion of these moments. Mm-hmm. You know, so you guys, we're not going to script anything. Just, you know, we're going to piece it together as we go. We spent two weeks down on the soundstage shooting that scene. And 
you know, you might have lines, you might not. We'll figure it out as we go. They asked your availability for two days. And it wound up being two weeks. It wound up being two weeks shooting that sequence. But that, but that, you're right. I mean, that sequence is the heart of the movie. That yeah. is the one where it turns around and it's got all it, that. Guys, go back to Sp- Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 and just watch. It's watch a- the entire movie. The entire movie is incredible. It's my favorite superhero movie. That sequence is phenomenal. Well, and it's amazing how much of it is practical. Like they had a practical like ock arm mm-hmm. that came in through the window, you know, and there were actually like guys rocking the uh, the um, train right. with you know with like big you know poles and stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty old school. And right. I remember being on set and John Dykstra mm-hmm. comes by because he was he was the FX super on the first one. And yeah. then on this one, he was overseeing everything. Yeah, he was yeah. overseeing. And I was like, wow, this is all old school stuff. I guess this is a pretty easy you know, sequence for you guys, right? And he's like, well, we do still have to do the city of New York moving at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. And I looked up and I realized the entire stage green. was a green screen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you guys were up like two hundred feet off the ground or something on this train, or was it? Well, no, yeah, we were. That's the thing. We were just like a, five feet off the ground, enough feet off the ground for them to put poles underneath to shock to shake the thing. That's pretty. Odd. Who was I? I was listening to who was the uh, Bo Bridges was talking about an air of playing a pilot in an, in a crash scene in this movie that he was in with Idris Elba recently, oh, interesting. and uh, he was saying that they were actually like two hundred feet off the ground in this in this what? plane, and oh that they God. had a hollow bottom. For the camera to get through, because oh, the, they were shooting the, in the camera money. runs the entire length of the of the plane. Jesus! And so they had to have the like no floor on on parts of the plane, which is dangerous. I mean, yeah, you're going you're that know, high up, and they're that high up uh, oh to God. have the equipment underneath. So the, it, it sounded insane. So See, uh, yeah, no, our our experience was nowhere near that bad. I think actually the worst, you know, like condition wise thing on that shoot was for Toby. Right. Because once they glued him into that suit, mm-hmm. he couldn't pee. Wow. So, because, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, good, ha- have, a, have a good morning. Well, you know, you're not peeing till lunch. And that's a movie that he uh, had, I mean, he came off of Seabiscuit. Uh, like, uh, Seabiscuit, right? and his back, back was already questionable. Oh, which is what like I was doing this in super yeah. physical role. Yeah. And that's what I'm, no, no. Dude. And not being able to pee. Dude, there's a sequence, there's a part in that sequence. Where he is being carried yeah. by the extras. Sure. And I was just thinking, if that was me, if I was a star of a movie and I had back issues and I'm like, and you're saying I'm literally going to be carried by a bunch of people getting 50 bucks a day. I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> no you don't get a stunt man up in this mug. <laughs> but he was, he was totally cool about yeah. it. He was not stressed. He just, yeah. And they also did people some stuntmen. He's like a little to the left. Can you guys? Can you guys? Yeah, can you guys work a little bit on my T four, please? Yeah, there you yeah. go. A little to the right there. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, he was so mellow. Like, mm-hmm. given what he had to do in that sequence, and also being the only one doing it. Right. Like, I think it's different if you know, like, if it's a nude scene and everybody's naked, or if you're in a you know plastered into the suit and we've all been in makeup since five this morning. Hey, we're all we're all being superheroes. No, everybody else is in coats and normal clothes, and you've you know been up three hours earlier, and you're glued in, and they're going to pick you up, right? You know, um, but you know we're geeks, so maybe we have. I mean, we've dressed in costumes when everybody else is normal. <laughs> I mean, let's say. I mean, I don't know if Toby was a geek. Toby was probably, <laughs> Toby's, Toby's a good looking guy. He's probably really popular. Oh, that's um, so funny. You know, he's uh, he. he 
He's a, he was a child actor. Like he probably he probably had girls throwing themselves at us. It was people, <laughs> people like you and I who were walking around dressed in like right. Star Wars stuff and sitting there going, "Why are, why are you guys looking at me?" Right <laughs> now he got now he got a chance to feel what we felt exactly right as you're standing in line and the, at the mall waiting for. <laughs> Remember Star Wars camp- movie, though. Do you remember? I mean, did you camp out for episode one? Like, I remember having to camp out for episode one because there was no pre-ticket buying. Like, in 99 when, when oh, episode God. one came out. I, You know what? I did not camp out for episode one. I don't... I I think I was... I was in between, like, geekery at sure. that point. Or, sure. maybe, or maybe we had kids. Maybe that's why. I think at that point I was only watching Pixar movies. Had kids, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. I just remember running shifts with friends of mine who I used to work in a comic store with back in Austin. And I remember running shifts for episode oh one. Oh, my God. That's so To funny. hold line and just being like, this is how I'm spending my weekend. Right. Just making sure that when those tickets go up for sale, I am <laughs> sixth from the front of this line at this theater that's, that's nowhere close to my house. Right, right. But happens to be the one that didn't have anybody camping out. And people had like Jar Jar Binks tents and stuff like that. Oh, and my they're like, God. This is going to be awesome. We're going to camp out. We're going to get this stuff. That's hilarious. And I remember those lines being one or two weeks long. People right. just camping out for episode one tickets. And I remember just wow. wa- like watching the first 10 minutes of episode one and being like, so uh <laughs> Right. This he, is what you camped out for. They're making some, you know, he's making choices. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's so funny because I didn't get my my love for Star Wars back until actually Gendy Tartakovsky uh-huh. did the the Clone Wars Clone micro Wars, series, yeah. like those five minute episodes. I'm watching those and I'm like, ooh, whoa, who's that? Wait, I want to. And I started googling stuff and I realized, oh my god, you've worked. With- <laughs> I'm back. Well, and yeah. I'm back to where I was with Star Wars. In 78. Right. Like, what is that? What kind of creature is that? How can I find out more? Right. You know, leaning into it. And, uh, and what, I mean, what, what is that like working with him on Samurai Jack? Because like, th- this is somebody who has a bit of a singular vision, but obviously I'm sure he's collaborative. Yes. And like, it's, but it's, you just have to trust. Well, it's, it's, yes, it's both. It's the best of both worlds. One, because he knows what he wants. Uh-huh. And two, he's totally open to what you bring to it, you know? So you're never lost at sea with someone sort of going, well, let's see what you got. You know, he, he gives you a very clear ask. And then if, if that takes you someplace, he's like, oh, great. Yeah, let's do that. And you, you would know? imagine with like how stylized that show is, right. like a show like Stan- Samurai Jack, it feels like it is storyboarded and planned down to the pixel. And you're watching it like, oh, my God, because so much of it is design. Yes, that you have to. That it, it feels to me like like I'm watching beautiful math out on like a screen because because right. the, the design is so strong. Yeah, um, and I'm like, how would this guy roll with improv or someone who, well, who gives feedback and, and there's a dialogue when that when the design is so well? But you got to remember yeah. that all that design mm-hmm. happens over a year. Wow, you know, because when we come in to do the voice work, we've they're at the storyboard. You're stage. part of the design. Oh, a yeah. little bit. I mean, it's also you're not doing a lot of ad libbing because. I mean, I wasn't doing a lot of talking. Right. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it's really just more about, like, what you can bring to it in terms of tone or it's like, you know, push. And also, he does have that really clear vision. Like, sometimes I'll go, yeah, he's like, no, bring it back. Less. Almost always, that was the direction. He's less. Less. Because he's such a minimalist character. And he, it's it's not that hard for him. He's just super stoic. Yeah, he's, it it doesn't hurt that much. Mm -hmm. He's not pushing that hard, you know, because, you know, coming off Justice League where, you know, it's like, okay, why am I 
making a sound when I, you know, shoot a beam of light out of my hand. Because it's your willpower. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked him, it's like, dude, is the ring really heavy? Why do I have to, why am I straining to, to will something? Because they're like, trying to break your construct. <laughs> well, and, and it's like, dude, it's a cartoon. We got to have something. Phil, you got to see yeah. Justice League. <laughs> As someone who's played a Green Lantern, like no, but like you, you got to wait. See, no, 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 no. It's like, okay. and, it, and it's not. Guys, Geekscapists, don't get crazy. <laughs> don't get crazy. Well, I'm, I'm just telling it. you, Geekscapists, who maybe no, were not as satisfied with the current, like the the new DCEU stuff, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, but I liked Wonder Woman. Great. I think you're gonna. I think it's it's a, again. It's a it's okay. a movie. In the first half of the of Justice League, I was like, uh, it's I'm. Finding it, and then, and then the, they brought it home. The second half of Justice League, I'm really in love with. So, uh, watch it. Oh, I'm definitely and, watching. Uh, it. There's no doubt about and that. And I think um, is that what is that why we have a Thanksgiving holiday yeah. this week so that just, we can all see go see Justice <laughs> we're gonna League. See that we're going to see Coco. We're going to nice. eat turkey. We're going to what else? We're going to we're going to finish Punisher. <laughs> we're going to watch all of it. Yeah, it's a good time to be a geek. <laughs> Jonathan may eventually finish. Uh, Mario Odyssey, which I've been sitting on the ending of. I'm going to make sure my legs feel human again. Like, there's a lot of. Re- this is recuperation week for me. Oh, my God. Uh, I think I'm directing a short on Saturday. What? I don't know. I, you I, think? I, yeah, I think I am. I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but they were like, hey, can you just block off Saturday to direct? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's oh, my fun. God. Talk and about a hired gun. Love it. Just love it. <laughs> Have gun, will travel. I think uh, I might be directing a film. I think I am. I'm like, I'm going to double check and be like, hey, are we shooting on Saturday? Because if not, it's a writing day. Um, the other, the other blink you miss it for Lamar is Pulp Fiction. Ah, well, see, for what's your credit? I mean, that's yeah, not, yeah. that's not blink you miss it, I guess. I've got a name. You got a name. <laughs> um, but like, wh- what was the story on that? Because that's um, insane. Well, no, that was actually much more to more normal. Because mm-hmm. um, Mad TV, we haven't even talked about Mad TV. Right, right, right. Wait, this which is how I met. This I mean, was pre. This was pre Mad. Right, and so Mad TV like is how I first saw you because right, right, right. I was in high school when Pulp Fiction came out, but um, I didn't see it until I think later in high school. Okay, and just like, the violence and this and that. And, uh, and yes. I think I'd seen. Res- I think I saw Reservoir Dogs before I saw Pulp Fiction. But, right, as you should. <laughs> as you should. Um, but so what was the story there? You went in for an audition. You're just an. I mean, no, 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 no. Actually, that was that was a little deeper. Um, Quentin was friends with Julia Sweeney. Yeah. And Julie and I were in the Groundlings together. And she invited Quentin to come do the Cooking with Gas improv show that we do Thursday nights at the Groundlings. And I happened to be in the cast that night with him. And we improvised together. And he remembered me. Whoa. You know, when he was casting the movie. Although it was really funny because the casting director, Ronnie Eskel, had cast me in an episode of L.A. Law years <laughs> before that. And she thought of me for this part, too. With Jimmy Smith, who played... Baylor Organa, Organa. <laughs> who you played late. Oh, my God. Six it degrees was, of Phil Lamar. It was all there. Um, <laughs> and what, where'd you grow up? L.A. You grew up here in L.A. So, you, I mean, acting was like something you always wanted to do. You were like, I'm going to be an no. actor. I didn't, it doesn't, it seemed like, like if you grow up amongst it, like no. it's something that you're no, like, nobody in my, no one, nobody in my family was in showbiz. How, so how'd you fall into this? I did plays in high school, you know, um, and there, there was one little, like, L.A. Hollywood part of it because a friend of my mother's worked for NBC. And she, you know, like you invite your friends to see your kids play. Mm-hmm. She came and knew I did plays. And she's like, oh, we're casting this cartoon and we're using real kids for the kids. 
which back in the 80s was an anomaly. Right. And so I wound up getting cast in the Mr. T cartoon. I love and, that. And um, it was my summer job for three years. Doing the voice. Yeah. In a Mr. T cartoon. Yeah. I was Woody. One of the kids on the gymnastics team that Mr. That Mr. T coached that went around solving mysteries. Listen, sucker, you got to get stronger. <laughs> my favorite Mr. T is when he was on the Chipmunks. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mr. T was on a Chipmunks episode. And my favorite quote from that episode is they're all sitting at, like, the local diner. And the Chipmunks are eating. And obviously, like, uh, Theodore is the, Theodore's the, the chubby one. Right. And he reaches for one of Mr. T's fries. And he goes, you can't eat those fries. Without ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You can't eat those fries. And he's like, <gasps> without ketchup. Right. Oh, see? <laughs> Mr. T has a heart. He's of friendly. course. And then everybody just loves the music videos that Mr. T would make. Be somebody or be somebody else's fool. Remember that? Be somebody or be somebody's fool. You know. Yeah. You, you, were you in those? I was not. That's kind of messed no. up. They, I mean, I feel like, you know, in the modern world where everything has to have some synergistic <laughs> fold, I, I feel like fans wouldn't have stood that for that today. No. Be like, wait, wait a dude, minute. Dude. The Woody in the music video is different than the Woody in the TV show. We're not going to take this. It was, no, there was no, there was no such word as synergy, <laughs> and there certainly was no such concept. This, this cartoon was done as an afterthought. Somebody said, okay, we got the cereal, we got the movie. Wait, what are we, did we forget something? Who left some money on the table? Gosh darn it, we forgot to do a, a, comic, a, a cartoon. Yeah, we got to keep those kids off the drugs. <laughs> and everything had like a theme, right? Like everything was like, stay in school, well, don't do drugs. On, on the cartoon, no. Woody I mean, broke his legs. <laughs> no, because, I mean, dude, they were just trying to get it done. It was like the last, it was like I mean, the I think bottom each of episode, the Mr. T each episode they had to, Exactly. No, no, to the point where we never met him. Wait. We did the show for three years. He never once recorded with us. What? Because he was always off doing other crime things. Crime fighting. <laughs> he's cr- he's cl- he was clearly crime fighting. No, he was chasing Rocky Balboa. Show him, show him what a real man he is. That's the best scene when he shows up on those steps. Like, Adrian, you want to get with a real man? Right. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. And it's hilarious that he is so mean in that movie because yeah. everything he's done since then is like squishy and soft, you know, but with a mohawk on top. <laughs> Nancy Reagan, you know, and yeah, and and the cartoon would open with him live action, top and bottoms. Now, kids, remember, you know, and there was always some like sort of theme, hmm. but then basically it was just sort of you know Whatever unused Scooby Doo scripts, right? You know, <laughs> like I remember one line I had in one episode. It's like, wait, this sign says G A O L. That's how they spelled jail in olden times. You know, like one of those kind of things. <laughs> Trivia kids, could you imagine what a monster that show would be with Wikipedia? Where they're just oh, taking God. these half facts and being like, <laughs> "This kid solved a mystery." Yeah, no, our our show would not hold up under internet uh, scrutiny <laughs> at all. Oh, I, well, I hope Mr. T well. Mm-hmm. I, ho- I hope he's okay, and I hope he's still keeping kids off the drugs. Oh yeah, uh, no, he beat cancer. He could beat anybody. And so you went from, I mean, it was, at that point you're in high school. Yeah, and, you're, and, you're, and then I just you're playing younger, but now you're for me doing, doing like, the cartoon was the same thing as doing plays at my at my high school. It was mm-hmm. just like it's just something I do. Did then I think, went off to college, yeah. and it wasn't until after college that I thought, well, maybe I should try acting. Mm-hmm. You Why? know, what like what? what well, else because were you do? I because I knew, well, that's it. Right. I mean, I knew I liked acting, and I felt like I was pretty good at it. And I was like, well, I'm 21. You know, if I'm going to try this. Better to do it now than wait till, you know, my midlife crisis. Sure. You know, and I said, well, and also I didn't really, I was an English major. 
you know, there weren't, I, I wasn't really, you know, you in go, line for any big jobs at those English firms. You can go teach in Thailand. <laughs> right, exactly. Go teach. <laughs> like, an English degree is basically just sort of like, yeah, a, a pass to the Peace Corps, which I could do at any age. Sure, sure. Um, so I said, well, you know, let me give it a try. And until, the, until something, a, a better job comes along. And you, I mean, it took a while. Or it was like almost immediate. Like no, like, no, no, nothing. No, definitely not immediate. Um, like I think it was probably five years before I was making my living as solely from acting. Right. You know, and that wasn't much of a living. I, I had like a, 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 a you know one bedroom apartment in Hollywood, so sure. you know the bar was not terribly like, high. Hey, man, I liked your episode. You're having like screening parties with your friends to be like, oh, here he comes, here he comes. And you come <laughs> in and you say a line or two, and you're like, that was my guest appearance. Yeah. You know, no, you know what? I never ever had a screening party. Really? No. That was just, you know, I, I don't know why. If you it could was, DVR it, it. It never occurred to me to, like, well, one, also, back then, there was no internet. Sure. So you never knew when your stuff was coming on. You're right about that. You know, so basically, I would get a call from relatives in the earlier times. I was like, we just saw you on the TV. <laughs> and that's how I would know <laughs> when my show was airing. Yeah, I uh, I have friends who are actors. When I first moved to L.A., they when they started getting cast in TV shows, they would have screening parties at, like, restaurants. What? For a show that wouldn't last four episodes. <laughs> And, uh, and wow! I, see, they 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 were aspirational in a way I, that that I, I, I was. I wonder if they're still acting. I don't know. I it, see, and that's the thing. Like, I like don't tell too many people your stories because you you want to keep the fire lit. You know right. what I mean? And I feel like if you spread it out, or if you get if you burn it too bright, then it's like, and you're and you don't want to make a whole lot of noise. Well, and also it's like, where are you putting your energy? Sure. If I'm like putting energy into, like, putting together a guest list and calling the restaurant and making sure we have the back yeah. room available. It's like, dude, you need to be off working on the next audition. Yeah, you want like, to be Like, that famous? job is done. Yeah. You know, move ahead. I mean, that, for, at least for me, emotionally, that was the key, was, is letting stuff go. Sure. You know, because as an actor, you have so little control of your life, mm-hmm. you know? So what are you focusing on, you know, like, well, let's let's hope this show's a hit, and then they really like my character and bring him back. Like, I just put a new car, and I just put a down payment. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, the guy gets a guest star, and then goes and leases a Porsche. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That guy is not still acting. Uh oh. He, he is at a at a, a shoe uh, warehouse in Ohio. Oh no. Working for his father-in-law. How do I get this car off of these bricks? <laughs> Exactly. Don't worry, guys. I'll get it out of your driveway soon. <laughs> That's no, a sad man. story. It's tough. And people break. Like there, there are some. It's a. There are a lot of broken dreams, right? Uh, right. And so you're you're doing Groundlings, which I think is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. You you actually got up to like what is it, the Sunday Company? Um, well, I went through the whole school the whole and thing. got into the main company. That's yeah. the main. I was company. in the main company for. Seven years. And someone has to drop for you to join the main company, Yes, right? it's like the Supreme Court. So you're like sitting there waiting for someone to leave. Do you, I mean, who, who I got, was in? I got very lucky. There were open spaces uh, when I got voted in. Mm-hmm. It was me and Jennifer Coolidge and John Crane who got voted in at the same time. I love Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, she's so amazing. She's awesome. And she was talking about that story on Mark Marin. I remember her really? talking. Yeah, and, and, it's, and the story's painful because uh, she got an SNL audition from it. And had an agent, and I would look it up on on Mark Barron's uh, yeah, I'm podcast gonna, I'm gonna, because find that. the 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 agent gave the, who was only an agent for like that pivotal month oh, in her God. in her in her life Tanked gave it? her advice that was counter to oh. like it, it seemed like everybody who on this one showcase 
of her ended up on SNL because they, SNL was like, we're going to come back with offers. And her agent was the one that was like, do I'm, this. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. You know what I mean? Oh. And so they were like, okay, we'll just take the other three or four. And Jennifer was on the on the, on the outs on SNL. Interesting. And listening to this story, because obviously Jennifer Coolidge blew up when, yeah. when we got. I, like, I, th- I think she dodged a bullet. Wow. And it's just, yeah, I mean, we all know her as the MILF from, right, you right. know, uh, American Pie and everything. And she's amazing. We love her in the she's Christopher so Guest funny. movies. Yes. So you can just tell she's incredibly, like, she's amazing. Right. But listening to her talk about Groundlings was incredible. And so you were in that company with her. Yeah. Yeah. We came up through, we did Advanced and Sunday Company and the main company together. What a talent. Oh, God. It's incredible. And, and somehow this one day... I'm just going to drop in, bro. <laughs> I mean, was Reservoir Dogs a thing yet? Reservoir Dogs had already been okay. out. Well, that's that's how she and that's how he and Julia met because when Harvey Keitel came to um, host SNL, mm-hmm. Julia was in the cast and Quentin was hanging with Harvey because they were on the press tour for Reservoir Dogs. Wow! And Julia and Quentin are both like pop culture music geeks, sure. and they hit it off and became friends. And when you're in L.A., let's go check out this Groundlings thing. Yeah, and, and he came in before because he was an actor. Sure. You know, so, yeah. And he was good, actually. He was, a lot of people aren't loose enough to do improv if they're not, like, you know, practiced at it. Mm-hmm. He was great. And then you're in Pulp Fiction, just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was I auditioned reading with Quentin mm-hmm. doing the Brett Jules scene. Sure. You know, and, uh, and I was reading the Jules part and he was reading Brett. And I walked out of there like that one really because that that writing is so good. Right. Anytime you say those words, you can't help but feel like Olivier, you know, at his height. Like I was damn good. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking like I was pretty good. I wonder if they'll consider me for Jules. I mean, I was pretty good. I mean, I'm not that tall. I'm not really tall enough for the bar, but maybe. And I, You're talking yourself into yes. it. Oh, no. But then I was like, well, no, no. What are you talking about? Because, you know, there was no buzz. There was no like sure. pre hype because it was a. An $8 million indie picture mm-hmm. in 1993 or f- 93 we, right. we were casting for that. And, you know, didn't hear anything for, a, you know, three months. There was no internet. Nope. 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 And, you know, later you hear all these stories about, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne was being considered for the part or this, that, and the other, you know. And at the time, there was no, you had no idea who was doing what. And I'd heard John Cusack as well for like the Travolta role. Right. And right. It, 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 you know what? It was. Ew, it has supposedly it has Quentin's handwriting, but it's um, it was his list of like the people the he, people he would that he kind of saw in the roles because I can see Cusack and John Cusack was in there for At the John Travolta one and right. I'm sitting there going oh my god like he was and obviously like he's still I mean I think that Cusack and uh, what was the Stephen Frears movie he did where he, he's in a record store oh 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 uh, not. Not Empire Records? No. no, not Empire Records, which is fun. High movie. Fidelity. High Fidelity. Yes. With it's Jack, just Jack Black. Awesome. Yeah. And obviously High Fidelity like turned Jack Black's career around because it's, Well it, it launched it, like it. launched him. Because I, I mean you remember Jack Black as like the bully in like the third never ending story movie. Oh, <laughs> and like no, you know what, Jack Black I, was in a skateboard film as a bully. Really? Then, yeah, That's totally. So funny. He was in like a rad not a rad, not rad, but I forget Matt Kelly will know and he's screaming at the podcast right now, but um, no, so I remember yeah. Jack from because I did work with the Actors Gang, mm-hmm. and he was you know came up through that with you know Tim Robbins and those guys, and Jack was the one that everybody raved about. He is the the most amazing actor any of us have ever seen, and the most amazing actor that nobody else has ever seen. Right, and then eventually he just broke through, 
I re- the first thing I remember he broke through on was Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. Where he plays the brother. Yeah. And he gets fried. Right. Yeah. Because I remember everybody at the Actors Gang being really excited when he got that. But then High Fidelity came along and he became a star. He just destroyed it. And I, it yeah. It, 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 it's crazy how you just hang around long enough. And be good enough. Like, and be good enough for something like that to happen. Yeah. And it's not a, it's, I mean, it's almost not even a, it's a, you have to be good enough. That we understand Geekscapist. Right. And I, I listen to Brian Grazer say that, uh, he actually, actually Brian Grazer said good enough is still shit. Like you have to be great. Right. You know, it's like you have to be great and you have to hang around long enough. So there's a stamina endurance game. Oh yeah. And, um, and then, and then you just have to wait for something to break. Yeah, you know, and like, you and you have to you have to find your your path, find your niche, and but yeah, mo- most of it is being able to weather the weather it and have the temperament for it. Because mm-hmm. I have seen guys way more talented than me wash out before I did. Sure, just because they couldn't take the instability, the not knowing, the you know the being questions. dependent on other people for your livelihood, for your creativity, They're like. I can't. Yeah, I'm not in control of my own life. I was um, driving back from San Francisco yesterday, and my friend Jesse, who uh, was riding with me, we were having this question. Obviously, I could couldn't feel parts of my body uh, <laughs> after thirty, after like close to oh thirty three miles of this, and then you got a long and, drive. Ugh. And in in and he was like, "Why do you do this?" And I and I and I know why. I it's like it, it doesn't have it, it has very little to do with running. You know, and people are like, I'm not a runner. And it's like, no, no, this has very little to do with running. It has a lot to do with stamina. It has a lot to do with being like, hey, Jonathan, like, like being able to tell myself in retrospect, right. you did this, you can do that. Like you can do, oh, you've done wow. this, you can do a three, five, you can, you can, you can do a 21 day shoot. Or you can do a 14 day shoot, right, right. you know, for a film, like a film in 14 days. You can do something aggressive like Spike Lee did on, you know, she's got to have it or something. Right. Or he shoots the whole movie in 14 days oh or. God. You know, you can do. You know, or you can do a five day sh- or a five five uh, five week shoot, or you can you can go for yeah, two months. This like, will not break you. This won't break you. You know what I mean? Like so, a lot of like so little of it actually has because I think the geekscapers have watched me turn into a jock over the twelve years, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like and like just understand so little of this actually has to do with the activity, and so much of it has to do with like, do you like can you keep going and exist in mm-hmm. the majority of your lives? The majority of your life exists in question. Right. Like you exist in a question. And, yeah. and, and if you turn that in, you just flip it, Geekscapist, and call it the adventure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is the adventure. Perspective on it. You yeah. know? And, um, and I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm waxing crazy. But, uh, but for me, that's, that's been the justification for a lot of things is like, oh, I know that the stability of an answer is right. what you desire. But the majority of your life exists before that in this kind of area and... Well, and it's it's where you find your reward, where you find the thing that gives you, you know, pleasure, joy, energy, whatever it is. It's where you grow, I guess. Yeah, it's where you get stronger. Right. Um, yeah. And right now, Geekscape is we don't have an answer on whether or not Goblins Animated is going to make their reward. They are in this question of whether or not they're going to hit their goals. Yeah. And get funded so they can find their way sooner or later to your eyeballs and your ears, and you can be a part of those answers. Yes. By going to Indiegogo and searching for Goblins Animated and donating. Oh, uh, some of the cool incentives, again, are like you guys leaving uh, voice uh, Yes, we got uh, voicemails from Billy West, uh, Jesus. Maurice LaMarche, uh, Tara Strong, you know, like amazing people, um, as well as 
really cool, like, goblins-oriented stuff, you know, like, we have these amazing plushies, and, and Terrell's artwork is cool. Yeah, take a look at it. Go to goblinsanimated.com. You can see, you know, like, what we're talking about, and hopefully, I think, if people look at it, they'll get on board, because it's really, really good. That's cool. Um, and so, let's get this thing animated, Geekscapist, yes. like... It's amazing having Phil on the show. And give me a little bit of control of my life. Get Well, I mean, that's where the model's going. Right. The I mean, model's this, going this will be the you... first time I am creating a job for myself. How? In 30 plus years how? of doing this. How? Now, let's keep in mind, like, you, you know, you could have maybe done that with Mr. T because he wasn't around. <laughs> <laughs> I could do Mr. T's voice. Yeah, yeah. There's an alternate timeline where he's all like homeless because you've completely taken his gig. Um, <laughs> well, but I was I was 16 at the time, so maybe I didn't have the maybe, bass so eh, profundo eh, that I might have needed. Eh, you want to throw down? <laughs> um, but now, I mean, now you here you are. You're you're going to produce something, which is yeah. the, again the new model, and, and it's the next phase in your career, which is awesome. I know, it's and you've cool. got to be excited about it. I am. I am. I'm so excited. Like sitting down to write this. And then sitting down to like try and build it, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's super, super exciting. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, we can follow you online. Yeah, um, philamar.com and at philamar on Twitter. That's uh, philamar is all one word. Two L's in the middle, two R's on the end. You do Instagram? Um, I don't. But we have a Goblins Animated Instagram. Okay. At Goblins Animated, and of course that's goblinsanimated.com. I'm sure that's got the link to the Indiegogo. Yep. If you go to Indiegogo Geeks Gables and say you're on it right now. You can just search for Goblins Animated and start throwing them whatever help you can do. Share it. Yeah. Uh, Every donate, little bit helps. Whatever you definitely. can do. Um, let's get, let's give Phil back control. <laughs> <laughs> Geekscape, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Geekscape Forever on Facebook is our group where we hang out with each other and we post articles we want each other to see. Geekscape, uh, the page is for things that come off the website, like the podcast. We love doing this. We've been doing this for many years we're about wow. to hit our anniversary and uh we love you geeks Capus. so we will i guess we'll be back next week uh as we were last week and you know how we do tell your friends to subscribe if you guys are sitting on itunes right now listening to it go ahead and uh share it go ahead and leave a review uh that really helps us out and thank you thank you thank you for spreading the geeks love and thanks for phil for being here my pleasure man thanks for having me on bye geeks Capus.